0: Hello I'm Brad and I'm Jason. you are listening to Dice Dice in in mind. Mind. you know there's there's obviously this you know joke between the two of us and now all five of you listeners that um, I tend to be a little liberal with my book buying. Um, when it yes. comes to rpgs jason yes. is much more selective so read cheap yeah no no yeah, not no, no. selective pretty you close. have your the way you have your bookshelf you are very cautious with what you want to put on it i get it and and I, again i'm not joking but yeah. but but <laughs> yes when i know you, where you're going <laughs> when yes. you came back you, you got online line sometime back you know where i'm going i do because we've talked about this yeah yeah you picked up candle keep before i did
1: way and before yeah I, and
0: I hadn't originally i rid. Really, i really had not considered purchasing it because in the past i have tended not to buy adventure books, unless it offered a lot of material in it, like, like new races or things like that. Right. Um, I'm more of a resource book type than an adventure book type. Yep. So when you told me you bought this one, I was mildly surprised that you beat me to it, but two, it wasn't on my radar Mm -hmm. Um, and you became a fan very quickly, right away with it. So obviously I had to mimic, I picked it up. I started looking at it and I'm like, okay, this, this actually is, is worthwhile. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: I just, let me interject for a second for our, yeah. our listeners. If you don't have candle keep here, here's what sold me. I'm going to read just a couple sentences from the back cover. All right. This, this is why I got this right. Cause like you said, I, I don't get into published adventures. I sometimes like reading them for my own edification, my own knowledge, right? To get to get in immersed in that world or canon. But but right, we like source books. Yep. Right. Certainly I do. Love them. Okay. Yep. Back of candle keep, just the start. Candle keep. Attracts scholars like a flame attracts moths. Historians, sages, and others who crave knowledge flock to this library fortress to peruse its vast collection of books, scribbled in which are the answers to the mysteries that bedevil them. I mean, I can just stop there because it's like I I was I was just hooked, right? It's like I if this is hooked right, right
0: into your brain when you're talking scholarly yeah. and things like that. And so You you literally not only had you bought it before you had already started perusing it, yeah, and um, you know, completely sold on it. You sold me on it. Mm -hmm. So um, you you I don't want to tell the story for you because this is no no. But but ultimately, you started digging in to, Mm -hmm. and you found someone who was involved with the book online. Yeah yeah we
1: really really lucked out. I mean you and I have been talking about this and we thought how how neat would it be? And this was actually something we've we've been wanting to do. We had been wanting to do past tense um since our first episodes. Like 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 we 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 knew from the beginning we'd really like to get some people affiliated with with Wizards and D&D on the show. This was back before we were doing interviews and you know again thank you shelly shelly mazinobel because you just opened the doors wide for us with with this whole notion of really interviewing people who really are involved with this yeah with this wonderful dungeons and dragons world well when candle keep came out and i got a copy and then i started telling you about it we were pretty much decided immediately wouldn't it be great to get one of the writers yeah and so we started looking and, and we reached out and, and we, we scored, we got Michael Polkinghorn, who actually wrote the very first adventure in this adventure book, the joy of extra dimensional spaces. Pretty much. I was held from the title, right? I mean, I'm not a metaverse kind of guy, but, but, I, I was I was just I was just hooked and and Michael was was kind enough to, to readily
0: foolishly agree to, to chat with us and and he'll he'll tell the story on how it ended up um, not only did he end up writing but how he ended up being the first adventure in the book and not only that he's he has a very unique background um, I yes. won't. I won't go into it here. And current. current, yes, current. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and we'll yeah, save it for the interview. Yeah, yeah. He's. We'll save it for the interview. Okay. But but listen to what he's involved with just outside of gaming. I am always fascinated by people who write or are involved in gaming, and how it it fits into everybody's life a little differently, and amongst everything that they might do outside of gaming day job family etc and you're going to hear another unique example here with with michael as to um you know his history and story and how he ended up um writing this and what he does beyond it
1: yeah truly truly just an intellectually robust diverse individual we you'll you'll hear some of that some of it wasn't recorded but most of it was uh, of the potential to geek out about D&D role playing and then other things far and wide not even not even related we we definitely felt as though we were with a kindred spirit in terms of um just the depth of his geekery although he probably pulls it off a lot better
0: than well, we well he do. also could he also you know you're more of a, you're you're much more of a writer than I am so he can pull it off by actually being able to write interesting mm-hmm. and playable ventures you have told me that in fact we just talked about this recently because I want to play a bard I want to role play a bard
1: I, I want to GM that yeah
0: you want to GM that and where would we go for that it seems that candle keep would be the perfect place for a low-level intro bard
1: yeah that is um that is i'm just just have my happen to have my candle keep right here that is actually where it's where i've been going I'm, I'm i'm a one shot with you as a bard although although as i said to you very recently i'm a little more interested in running you as a bard of sorts through if you will one of our upcoming star trek adventures duets but that's another discussion
0: yeah that one, that one that one when both you directions yeah we'll save that for later because when you told that to me um i went cross-eyed because i couldn't I, I i was just surprised by it but yeah we'll have to have that as a discussion for yes. future yes. episode but yeah i want to play the bard it, it, yes. it had a little bit to do with with I know, I I know it does. I, and, and, but also there are people that talk about playing bards on, um, on social media that I'm fascinated with. And one of the first role-playing games I ever played, not the first, but one of them was the Bard's Tale. Yeah. And, right. And I just picked up the Bard's Tale. I'm not going to put this in the GM corner, the Bard's Tale trilogy, the legacy games
1: Oh, cool!
0: out online for two bucks. And they are now compatible and work on a Mac.
1: Oh, you'll be sending me that link tonight because Eve not only did I complete, I think you know this. We yeah. my, my wife and I downloaded Bard's Tale early in the pandemic on the iPad. Yep. And I finished it over how many weeks? She got totally into it. Yeah uh i mean oh so okay you, we'll we'll talk online so needless yeah. to say if, if though with bard's tail you know that's not i think the
0: traditional bard right there's no a no no, no. Of life, it's, right. just, it's just it's yeah. it's flooding my head but no that's but, that's, that's that, great yeah that's a sidebar but ultimately mm-hmm. one of the things i thought about if we play a bard was to because you have wanted to for a while Use Candle Keep and DM. I, I yeah,
1: you I know. really do. I'd really like to try, I'd really like to try out my legs with Candle Keep, and which is a perfect transition because, because you, we wouldn't start your character for a one shot at level one right? We do it at like level two or three so that when I killed your character, I mean, when your character died by natural consequences, that sure. it felt better. But yeah, it would be fun to use, cat. But, but let's get into our, our interview with, with Michael Um, Very, very interesting. Michael Polkinghorn started his professional life as a geologist, he now works in the wine industry and can often be found walking the vineyards of Sonoma County with his family and for house tabaxi. Also of note is that Michael is the GM for the Relic of the Past podcast.
0: As we move through our group of interviews, Jason actually was able to to Graciously find Michael Polkinghorn and have him join us. Um, so, Michael, thank you for being able to do that. You're out of the um, the Bay Area, and um, we were just talking. We always kind of talk and and introduce. And I don't want to go too deep into personal stuff. We tend to not do that, just so people can keep some sense of anonymity. Um, but you actually live on a vineyard. You're, Indeed, I do. Yeah, and you're a tech guy, and now you have written for in effect we were just talking about it, the first adventure within candle keep. So yeah. how does that very broad <laughs> so here's the broad question yeah um, vineyard tech guy candle keep how did that all kind of you know mesh together D D with everything you do yeah
2: yeah well so we'll have to um, fall all the way back to 1979 when um, a group of sixth graders uh, were graduating elementary school. That's back when sixth grade was still in elementary school. And so my friends and I went to Bicentennial Park there in Elkhart, Indiana, where I lived. Mm-hmm. And I brought along a copy of the Dungeons and Dragons coloring album that my parents <laughs> had gotten from me for when we were traveling around the country in the summer, as we do and they knew i like coloring they knew i like fantasy stuff like lord of the rings and all that so they got that for me and it was kind of fun because it was like a coloring book but it also had like this stripped down version of an rpg where you could roll a couple of mm. d6s and do kind of almost a you know follow your own adventure path sort of book and that was so neat that the next thing i know my friend brian and went and got the basic set Okay. And we started playing that and then got into AD&D and then second edition and then just the tip of third edition. And uh, actually, that's when I drop out of the picture for a little bit, because um, at that point in time, I was doing my senior thesis in college and got my first job. And this was before the Internet. So mm-hmm. you couldn't like keep up with your friends or play mm-hmm. online or things like that. So I mm-hmm. um, was living in a little tiny one person apartment Uh you know, working like 12 hour days at this little startup company I had joined and um, then was uh, just kind of doing the work a day thing for many, many years and then had a couple of uh, children. And then one day my older son says, Hey dad, you know, I think about this Dungeons and Dragons thing. I'm like, yeah, I, I used to play that back in the day. And you know, it was actually, we could probably go get the books and, and play together. And uh, so we were, that was fourth edition rules. And uh, so we played that. And um, I, I did like many people that had been playing for many, many years and you know, open up the fourth edition rules and went, what the heck is this? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It says Dungeons and Dragons on the outside, but it sure doesn't look like that on the inside. But we had a lot of fun playing it all the same. Yeah. Um, but then the play test came around. And of course, you know, wanted to fix all the the problems that happened with fourth edition. So we jumped in immediately. I got a group of friends together and um, we uh, started doing play test sessions. I actually had two groups meeting on alternate weekends. Mm -hmm. And so we'd get the new rules out. I'd play with the the, uh, groups. We'd go send feedback, did the whole play test. And then we got to the uh, end of the play test and the, groups were like, you know, there's a couple of them that were just in for the play test and they went, yeah. you know, back to, you know, their regular groups or, or regular life or whatever. But the other groups were, you know, like we want to keep going and play, And, and mm-hmm. uh, it's like, well, I had an idea for a campaign. And um, coincidentally at the time, um, I'm a scout leader. So um, we would play podcasts for in, in the car as we're driving the scouts to their campouts and stuff like that. And of course, you want to you know promote the brand and and yeah. you know play uh, RPG podcasts if you can. Uh-huh. The trouble was is that there were very few podcasts that were ones you could play for, for yeah. you know scouts, especially yeah. especially the younger ones. Um, so we, we kind of played through all the clean podcasts that were out there, and and we, we you know we're running out of content to play in the car. And so one of the guys at the as we we're you know about to start this new campaign said, "Why don't we podcast this one?" And so we uh, went and and looked into it and realized it was doable and uh, hit record. And that was four years ago. And we've been going ever since on the the Relic of the Past podcast. So, but yeah. But anyways, so yeah, um, was uh, down in the South Bay doing tech work down there. Uh, Was a webmaster for a company down there. And this was right before the whole... uh, um, tech bubble burst and, mm-hmm. and you know it, it when it did it was kind of amazing about a third of my friends at any one time were out of work oh. um, for a while but you know it, we were looking at that looming ahead of us and it was kind of obvious that where I was working was going to do some massive layoffs and, and you never know what happens with those. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, uh, my wife and I were looking for a new uh, place to live because our, our little tiny house was you know, bulging at the seams with, the, with two little babies in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the height of the tech market was also the height of the real estate market. And we right. could find just nothing for sale that was in our range. And uh, we had always uh, planned on retiring to a vineyard in Sonoma County when we got to that point. And my wife just turned to me and said, why don't we get the vineyard now? And so uh, we looked around so cool. and yeah. And, and uh, like I said before, mo- most of the places were about $5 million out of our price range. Uh, <laughs> just a little little problem there. Yeah. Um, but we did find one little tiny house um, on just a couple of acres with grapes on it just outside of Santa Rosa and uh, made an offer on that one and, and got it and moved up there just before the whole tech crash happened. Mm-hmm. And, and like we said, have a third of our friends were out of work for at any one time for the next two years. So I was yeah. got out just in time
1: yeah so so how i mean so then how did you come back stay with whatever and i mean how do you go from you go from beta testing to being involved in this four plus year you know actual play podcast which is incredible and then then magic happens no pun intended and you're writing
2: for D well it's kind of amazing um the, the chain of events that uh, brought it about was, it was innocuous at the time. I yeah. don't even remember. I mean, well, I, I vaguely remember doing this. I, I So Chris Perkins just put out a tweet um, and just said, hey, we're always looking for people to uh, do freelance work for us. Let me know if you're interested. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, sure. Didn't even think anything about it. And uh, like about a year later, all of a sudden I got an email. I was, I was actually at uh, a... Uh, Local um, semi-pro teams hockey uh, hockey game here in town, and I got a uh, email, and it said, you know, this is Bill Blenheim with uh, Wizards of the Coast, and uh, would would you like to collaborate on a, a project? And, and I looked down. And the first thing I thought was, this is the worst fishing email ever. Right. <laughs> Who would even <laughs> right, believe this? <right>. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then I got home and I looked at, at Bill, and I'm like, oh no, he's an exi- he's a producer. <laughs> he actually works at wizards. This is real. And, uh, oh. so of course I emailed back saying, yeah, sure. I'd love to, uh, to be a part of that. And I was thinking, cause for things like rhyme of the frost maiden and uh, tomb of annihilation and, and so forth, they had brought in freelancers to do pieces and parts of that. So mm-hmm. I was thinking it was going to be something like that. And then, um, uh, you know, just about a week or so later, I got the initial document in and it's saying, you know, we, we would like you to pitch us a adventure that is going to be a mystery that starts with a book and candle keep. Okay. And I went, yeah. huh, really? <laughs> Not what I was thinking in any way, shape or form. <laughs> right. But then the wheel started to turn and like, oh yeah, this could be an awful lot of fun. Um, but then I ran into a major problem. So, like I said, I started playing in 1979. I'm a Greyhawk kid. Mm-hmm. You know, Forgotten oh. Realms was this new thing yeah, that right. came around after Greyhawk. So all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, Forgotten Realms. Yeah, I think I've got a couple of books on that here. It's in the bookshelf somewhere. So I had to crack open all those books and bone up on all my Forgotten Realms lore as fast yes. as possible. And uh, catch, catch back up to you know everything I skipped over in the last 20 years. And, uh, so then, um, we got, like I said, we got the initial, um, document and and what it said is they wanted a pitch, mm-hmm. um, of an adventure that you would then write up. Um, and then they had level blocks and I was in level one, which is, or block one, which is levels one to four. And so I looked at it and said, well, I got to do a level one adventure. You know, you want to come you know, right out of the, the blocks they're uh, running and, uh, so uh, I sent back, you know, that I would, you know, here's, here's my pitch for a level one adventure. And it uh, came back and they, they accepted it. And wow. so, yeah, then, uh, then we got the, the second of um, uh, the uh, documents. In, and that was the big one that had the writing guide, the style guide. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it actually had the Book of the Raven, which was a example adventure that oh. they put together it actually wasn't ever supposed to be a part of the book. It just ended up there because they had a hole in the, in the uh, okay. level progression. So they just put that one right sure. in place. And, you know, but that gave you an idea of how you're supposed to write these things up. Yep. And um, then, you know, other little hints and tips and techniques and an 8,000 word limit and mm-hmm. go. And so we had a wow. deadline that we had to, to go hit. And uh, so, uh, you know, just typed up the uh, first, version of that and you know, by the time that we needed the rough draft in and sent it to them and they hated it. Okay, um, that might be a little hyperbolic. They wow. had one idea what my pitch was gonna be because my pitch was it was gonna be a, uh, a basically an escape room type scenario. Um, and you know, cause when you think about it, a lot of the early adventures um, from the old AD&D days, like especially like X2, Castle Amberville, um, were just basically enormous escape rooms that your party was stuck in. And those were some of the most fun ones. So I'm like, yeah, I got to do that. And so I sent it to him. And so basically Chris Perkins just sent me back, the document with just red text all the way down the side of things that right. needed to be changed, or, you right. know, things that didn't pass the grade and things like that. And this actually was kind of one of the best parts of the whole experience—just nice. working the creative process with the uh, the folks there at, at Wizards, and you was banging ideas off of them and, and having them, you know, either shoot them down or or not, and uh, you know, come around to the final form. And so we just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for uh, about another month, and then um, submitted my final adventure with all the, the feedback that uh, especially Chris had given me. Uh, is, is the title yours? Um, that was actually suggested by um, mm-hmm. Chris Perkins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my, my original title was, uh, this, this is the Book You're Looking For. And... <laughs> And that, that was the, uh, the, the hook for it. Is you were going, the, the basic plot was the same. You, yeah. you were going yeah. looking for this sage who was studying Candle Cape. You can't find him in the room. But then, in, in my first version of the, uh, of the adventure, there was a book there that was just titled This is the Book You're Looking For. And then if you open it up, you got sucked Uh, into the cat at the, uh, well, at the time, (laughs) at the time, and this is where Chris was like, trying to get me back down to reality, if you can do that in fantasy. Uh, At the time, it actually was going to take you to this extra dimensional island that would look like something on the Aegean Sea surrounded by turquoise waters in all directions. Uh And then you had to find your way off the island. Uh, but then he pointed out that that would require a brand new ninth level spell, and they really would weren't you know you know happy with the idea of you jinning know, up in a completely right.
1: Right.
2: you know original ninth level spell just to make this adventure work. And I'm like, yeah, that is kind of overreaching, isn't it? so it's
1: it's fantasy, but there are rules.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so then it, with the back and forth, we worked around to, okay, well, I said, well, how about it's a uh, like a permanent Morton magnificent mansion? And then we took off from there because that that did yeah. work. And so uh, yeah. then, then we just kind of, like I said, just kept back and forth smithing out all the little details till we came up with the final product there. So okay, so for our listeners,
1: if 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 you're listening and and you don't already have Candlekeep, you you should get it because it's just a wonderful a wonderful volume. And so, so specifically Michael, you wrote the joy of extra dimensional spaces, which I gotta say is a great title, right? I mean, that's just good marketing. Very first one in here. I can see the escape room ethos clearly in the event. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense when you say that. Um, I think one of the things that really, that really just kept making me smile was as I read through this, imagining like Brad and I might be playing this. And I was thinking of it from the standpoint of a, of a, of a PC. Um, There are so many gotchas. It's like, if I were, you know, you can never play it once you read it, but if I were playing this and I didn't know what was coming, um, A, I would definitely need some kind of visual to map, or, you know, you do it old school, speaking of an Aegean Sea, an Aegean Island, you do it old school mist style, where I'd have to draw some horrible map, right? While I was doing this. And literally every time, every time I would, you know, advance through something here with my party or solo, um, just as my guard was down, it's like, oh, but wait, something's going to attack you. And it might not be catastrophic, but there was going to be something. And I'll just, I'll just say, I, I really enjoyed the cats in the background i just that was i, I don't that was just really clever
2: that, it, you know, I, I love yeah. putting the the cats into the uh into the adventures um actually the uh in the relic of the past podcast early on they they came across a, a room in a ruined castle that had been deserted for a thousand years and yet here was a room with four or five fluffy cats lying in pools of sun <laughs> and uh so of course my players were like um yeah that's something, isn't it? So they, they actually fed the cats and, and became their friends, which was good because if they didn't, then the cats were going to turn into lions and eat them. See, so uh, so yeah, it's going really oh, it that little problem. <laughs> so so <do> you, <laughs> so I'm
1: glad this is level one. So do you do you have writing plans on the horizon? Like has this like how has this affected you?
2: Um, so. Uh, a lot and not at all at the same time. It's, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. I, I do want to actually do a prequel and a uh, sequel um, module to it, which I've actually started writing up. But um, as I was saying to a couple of friends a while back, it's like, there was one good thing about COVID and that was everything I did in my life mm-hmm. shut down for yeah. two years almost. Yeah. And right in the middle of that I got the candle keep assignment and um so you know, for, for the time I was actually writing the adventure, I had just nothing going on in my life except go to work and come home. And that was it. Uh, like I said, I'm a scout master for a scout troop. Um, I also am a hockey goalie and uh, play for uh, a, uh, one of the, the local leagues here. And But hockey was on hold. Scouts, we were just meeting on Zoom meetings, which was great because like 15 minutes before the meeting, you could throw on your shirt and sit down in front of the computer and, and who was the wiser. And that was about all we were doing. Um, and so I just had all that, but now, I mean, just just after Candlekeep came out, we opened up the whole country again, and all of a sudden, all that's going on again. So it's like, wait would say, where did all my time go? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the the life is back in in gear again.
0: You'd have to, um, you'd have to get rid of sleep to, to keep up with it all, then, if you're going to do it.
2: Yeah, well, and, and we've had to do a little bit, and actually, I had to do a, a bunch of that just during the the Candlekeep writing process, because basically the the whole. Um, Workday was come home from work, throw some food in my face, and then just go upstairs to the office and sit down in front of the computer and type, wow. and and did that for for about
0: uh, six weeks straight, and uh,
2: but it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So okay, so two, two, yeah. uh, two different questions. Um, you mentioned hockey, and I'm I'm a hockey nerd, so Sharks, Red Wings, um, Black Hawks. Okay. Oh, I'm I'm in Milwaukee, so I've got a. That's a toughie. I'm a I'm a Lightning guy because I lived in Tampa. Okay, they're, yeah, they're they expansion year. so.
2: Yep. Well, we we, uh, we I grew up Northern Indiana, so it was either Detroit or Chicago, and uh, we were Blackhawks fans there. Um, although I got to say, you know, since moving out here to California, of course, you know, go Sharks. I've been following yeah. them. And, uh, I was, we, you know, we lived down in San Jose and actually had season tickets to the sharks, uh, early on after they built the stadium. And, and actually one year we decided we were going to go to every home game and that got pretty gritty. Cause you know, if you got multiple three you know, nights a week, home stands, it's like, we'd get home and the cats would be like, Hey, you want to feed us? We haven't seen our owners in a while. Maybe, maybe you could feed us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm uh yeah, I'm, um, I don't get to watch it as much as I'd like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you know as a lightning fan for some reason i don't get to see as many games here but the kraken are always on so i've i've kind of i can't say i'm necessarily a fan but i like the kraken um relic of the past so the podcast so i you know you're up you've been doing this or what 268 if i look at if i'm oh looking at this right? 268 yeah. episodes Incredible. into it um did you did you play test any of the, the candle keep stuff prior in your head? Or, you know, was did, did some of the stuff come from your play into Actually,
2: you can you can definitely see well if if you played with me, you can definitely see the DNA here and there. Like, like I said with the, the fluffy cat trap in, in uh Relic mm-hmm. of the Past, that that made it in just as the fluffy cats and in, in Candle Keep. But mm-hmm. then um, you know, the uh, I did a, a one-shot for a couple of friends who wanted to try out Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, the uh, fairy dragons made an appearance in that and that was hilarious for me at least watching them he's like the fairy dragons just constantly keeping them from getting out of the room and hurting them around the room with their, their uh, euphoria breath so i you know i had to put that that in there uh, but a lot of the rest of it i mean there's little bits and pieces um also in that same abandoned uh, uh castle they had i had a, a rug of smothering and a pair of the uh, dancing swords that uh, almost actually almost finished off the party. It was hilarious. They they <laughs> no one died, but it was really really close because um, one of our characters and it, ironically the the ninja monk, the dexterous acrobatic ninja monk, couldn't make it through the the window. Uh, she just kept rolling like sixes to, to jump through the window, and and then the paladin the the strength guy. Um, you made it through the window, fell onto the rug of smothering, got wrapped up, and then constantly rolled sixes to get out. Couldn't get out. So, um, you know, they, we had uh, three of the party members trying to fend off what was supposed to be, you know, a room that would be a challenge for five party members. Uh, so that that was that was hilarious for me at least, and uh, <laughs> and and it's still a running joke for the for the for the party though. You know, it's like you know something will happen with the the, the monk, and they'll be like, don't put a don't put a window in front of her. Well, we're doomed to put window yeah, in front
0: of us. <laughs> that, that we won't get into hyper detail, but there's we have the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I knew with that Jason, was coming. You knew it's, it, but yeah. throwing axes. Yeah, I knew axes, it. I knew it was coming. You know? Yeah. Jason yeah. can't Jason's character couldn't do throwing axes. And... Yeah.
1: But in all fairness, he was a fighter. I mean, that wasn't his
0: forte. Yeah, <laughs> so I guess. It was just know, know, even though you had weapons like ranged yeah. weapons. That's yeah. not important. Yeah. When you play, when you when you 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 obviously do a lot of DMing, do you actually get a chance to play? Yeah. Every
2: once in a while um, okay. and uh, not a lot lately. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping if and when we ever wrap up the, the uh, current campaign with the podcast, we might do a series of one shots because uh, pretty much all the rest of the uh, uh, players in the podcast, you know, DM their own home games. So they've all got experience. So it's like that'd be kind of fun to have them go yeah. through and do a one shot for everybody and, and get a yeah. chance for me, me to play, you know, once in a while. You miss it. Oh, yeah, it's always fun. But it's, you know, my son, when he was younger, asked me about, um, you know, the, the stories I write. And he's like, Dad, where do you come up with these ideas? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm just trying to get these people out of my head. So, you know, I've, I've got all these ideas for campaigns. And, you know, until they're out of my head and written down on paper, they just kind of sit there, you know, kind of bonking at the inside of my skull asking to come out. So, You know, it's like, Mm. yeah, but I like to play, yeah, but I also like to get these stories out of my head before they drive me crazy.
0: Yeah. We're, we're, you know, we as a podcast, we're, we're, we're not quite the 50 episodes. So I'm looking at it in 268. That's just amazing. um, That's amazing that, that you all have gone out, been able to do that and still keep the kind of a fire going for four years.
2: yeah, Yeah. It will, I thought it'd be done in like two max and here we are at 4 and we've just made level 16 and wow the um so a spo- spoilers for a podcast that's been going for 4 years now but the uh, party you know the the entire world's being ruined by some unseen force mm-hmm. uh they've got fogs coming down out of the mountains they've been cooling and you know rotting and molding the the food in the fields the uh food's becoming scarce you know, crops are dying, animals are dying. Uh, there's, you know, various baronies in this kingdom are on the verge of war with each other. And um, so they ended up by a roundabout way being recruited by a wizard who believes that all of this is happening for a reason. And there's one hand turning all of these wheels and he sends them off on this quest to go figure it out. And they find out that, yeah, there is one hand turning all these wheels. And um, in in this realm, The elves are visitors, sort of kind of like they are in Lord of the Rings. This is kind of my take on Tolkien when you think about it. Um, And um, so the elves, basically, after exploring all the mysteries of their world, start forcing gateways to other worlds, and they end up at this one. And they find this kind of savage world with all these child races in it. And so they do what they naturally do back home. They start teaching them magic. But then magic rapidly winds out of control because... The uh, the new child races don't know how to control it. You know, they, yeah. they they all of a sudden they got this almost unlimited power in their hands, and unlike the elves who learned it, you know, over eons and eons and had yeah. their wisdom grow with with their increasing power, all of a sudden they just jump to this power. So, um, the uh, the new mages of this world, uh, kind of do what people do when they you know get right. in limited power also they start right. trying to take over you know to, to rule rule with the the wisdom of of the uh, the very intelligent and of course, once one grabs for power, they all grab for power. then you had all these little fiefdoms of these uh, of these mages and then the inevitable happened they started warring against each other and almost destroy this entire kingdom. the the central, Fertile Valley, and, and basically, if, if you look at the the map of uh, Faroe, it's basically just California turned sideways. So just like ca- California has the the vast uh, Central Valley that is the yeah, agricultural, you know, uh, linchpin for all the United States and much of the world, actually. Um, so Faroe had this vast fertile valley. Yeah. And but it was then basically beaten to a fine dust by the Mage Wars and all oh, the cities that were in there were ruined. Oh, and the only thing that was left were the five baronies or in the foothills who sure. used to be little hedge baronies and not of much account, but now they are the only governments there. And uh, that's where the party finds themselves in, in this world. And so they find though that there was one elf that was left behind when the gates to, to Ferry closed, he didn't make it out in time. And so he tries to prolong his life to last until the elves should open the gates again and you can go home. Well, of course, how do you end up doing that if you're a wizard? Well, you become a lich. Yeah. Ah. And mm-hmm. and so, um, and actually that all started with a thought experiment that I did many, many years ago where, um, you know, because liches actually kind of appear very prominently in um, a lot of the Forgotten Realms now, mm-hmm. like several of the uh, you know mass lords of Waterdeep are liches and things like that. And, and I started thinking about it's like, why would you be a mass lord? If you can live for a thousand years, would that seem kind of mundane? And, and then I started things like, what would that do to your mind if you lived for a thousand years? Right. I mean, you would run out of things to do and eventually you would just kind of turn to trying to turn the screws to see how much you could make the little marionettes dance and so that's what this this guy has done he's he's um basically just moved on to you know everything else is so infantile compared to the 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 vast you know universes of knowledge he's unlocked that he's now just kind of trying to see what happens if he just starts turning all the dials on the on the uh settings and and uh you know try to make try to try to make things as bad as possible um but then the, the party finds that he's um hidden seven phylacteries around the kingdom uh, back when he first became a lich and only one of them is the real one and the rest are all fakes and now they've been on this progress for four years trying to find all of them and and they just found the last one but they lost one along the way so now they don't know if the one they lost that he reclaimed was the real one or he Uh just brought it back to make them think it was the real one. So I feel
0: extra, I feel extraordinarily uncreative now that I've heard that because um, I just I did some world building for us, but I mean that's just the, the detail involved and the story involved in that is and, and I've listened to some of the, the podcasts, but like you said, time is time is short, but um, you know that creativity is is just that, that sounds I, like an awesome world to yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So Jason, we're going to have, you're going to have to, you're going to, you should expect some changes because I might. uh, (laughs) Oh, good. No, since I'm not, since I'm not publishing, I can, I can leech a little bit off of of Michael's storyline. Another way
1: to, another way to get my character killed again. So, so how, how far, Michael, how far out have you at least conceptualized in your head? this story? Like, do you know what the end game is or do you, is there something you want yeah, it to be? Yeah. And,
2: and, and I had to, to begin with, um, because the, when the wizard first, um, enlisted the party, he sent them to see the Oracle and in the very center of the Mari Aranosum, the sea of dust that, uh, the, uh, used to be the central valley there are still ruined cities you know or at least the tops of the ruined cities they've been buried up to the very tops of the steeples and in, in this fine yes. dust and one of the things that is still there is the oracle of uber and and the uh and this is an ancient oracle that still exists and ba- back uh, back when uh you know, there used to be a Central Valley. The, the king would come and, and consult yeah. with the oracle. But now yeah. that it's the five baronies, um, the uh, five barons actually meet in conference there. And, and they um, then consult the oracle when they have problems. So uh, he sends the party there and the oracle gives them, uh, because the oracle always speaks in mysteries, um, gives them a poem. And the poem actually lists the places that they can find the bad guy. So they, uh, you know, each of the flactory locations is listed, but unfortunately, you know, being, being an Oracle, they're really general terms in the party has spent four years trying to decode yeah. what this poem means and figure it out.
1: So, so writing Candlekeep wasn't exactly your first effort at writing for D&D.
2: No, I, I've been doing it all my life. And, and actually that was one thing that occurred to me. I mean, you take a look at the Candlekeep authors and, it's just kind of this who's who a fantastic yeah. if not you know really well known i mean they they're definitely known mm-hmm. um but just fantastic people i mean you you think of uh you know like they uh, got the Asians represent podcast that uh, the author for that got into candle Keep. and, and mm-hmm. you got um you know the all the different other folks that uh you know jen that does all the work with uh, the the disabled community and then i was looking at like and you got like little old me the you know, guy with a moderately popular podcast that's been playing for 40 years. So, I mean, what, what am I doing in with this group of really fantastic that's people? Crazy. But then I started thinking about it. And it's like every kid who picks up the red box and sits down behind the DM screen and thinks that they have a story to tell, yeah. you know, deep down inside, you think, well, you know, maybe I could write for Wizards one day. Mm-hmm. And I did. Yeah. So maybe I'm the most important person that was on that list. I don't know. It, it didn't seem like it at the time, but now the more I think about it, it's like, yeah, it's if, if you just kind of keep, you know, at it and you really love what you're doing, sometimes, you know, it all comes around and you end up with your name in a, in a Wizards of the Coast book. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, I think just you summed it up. I mean, you can, you yeah. know, obviously you've been a player for, for many, many years, but got the chance to actually take that creativity and get it published. And, and like you said, show not, and I'm not trying to minimize talent, show that you can do it. Yeah. You can take that creativity and, and not only game with someone, but, but do something with it. That's honestly,
1: that's probably the perfect place to wrap and, and not obligate you any further. That, what a high point. I mean, that's just how encouraging, especially because, you know, you, you know, you've, you've shared this with your kids. I mean, this is becoming multi-generational now. Yep. right and and now i mean now with you published in Keep, like it's into perpetuity so that gets to pay forward i mean potentially for a very long time and like you said uh early in the interview and especially before when we were just chatting informally you know you you wrote the level one adventure yeah. so i mean that's just cool you know the the potential influence that can have um that's awesome dnd is awesome it's awesome
0: that you got to do that. Wow. And 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 no no disrespect to any, of, there's a lot of good no, no. adventures and all that. But this was the first book, Jason. You're the one that said it. You know, this is the first adventure-based source book that we should really get. Yeah. And you know, for both of us who are just getting back into this and not having time, um, one of the things you said was is if I have to do a one shot, I want to do a one-shot yeah i i mean you buy with new characters i'm I'm super
1: you know i'm very intentional and it was like i i mean as soon as this came out it's like this is this is i mean this is awesome
2: right and then yeah no good on you and it was kind of it was a really fun idea when they when they pitched it to us and and you know at the time you're just thinking about you know what you could do to write up a, a adventure that would fit into this um but then you know once it came out they started, you know, pitching it to the, the public, they're like, and you can just take these and just plop them in your campaign anywhere. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you could. Yeah. You you don't even need to have this being in candle keep. You can just say, okay, I'm yeah. going to take this magical oh, mansion yeah. and I'm going to put it in the library down the street. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it, that's a nice thing. You can just grab any one of these adventures and plop them right into your, uh, into your campaign. You know, if you need a filler or, you know, maybe, most of them you can run through in like 2 to 6 hours so if you have a yeah. weekend where bob can't make it and right. you know you go out and and uh you uh, say okay let's do
1: this candle keep adventure this weekend instead so cool michael thank you so much for spending a little time with us this evening it's such no a pleasure no to meet you and and, and j- yeah just to love just to,
0: love the writing yeah and just i want to make sure so so that people know relic of the past podcast mm-hmm. um it'll be in the show notes Yep, yeah, it'll be in the show notes um Obviously, something to subscribe to. Both Jason and I have listened to it. um I've used it as as a means of kind of learning, relearning dnd as I've, you know, in terms of how to DM and everything like that. So, well, that
2: might be a bad thing though because we don't really, ha- you know, you ha- know, have great stock in the rules. I mean, well, you that's... probably heard it. It's like, wait, wait, is that a rule? Wait, hold, on. wait, somebody look that up.
0: That's, I think that's hey, a my rule. Fav- Somebody read that. My favorite two words are DM prerogative. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'm, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No.
2: Thank you so much. Pleasure talking to you. Hope we can do it again. Yes, this has been great. Just hit me up anytime. would love to do it again.
0: The winery and everything like that, that just caught our attention because it's just so unique in terms of, you know, everybody's unique that we've yeah. talked to in everybody's unique period, but it's just, we haven't encountered that before. And his background as a mm-hmm. geologist.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, obviously, you've heard heard his stories about how he wrote in, and um, you know he took the, the the in effect the low level adventure to write. Yep. Um, I couldn't imagine. I still can't imagine. I can't imagine how you write, honestly, let alone imagine Michael picking that up and saying, "Okay, where do I start creatively?" with this
1: but as he said he wasn't coming from nowhere i mean i mean you know it looks it looks kind of mystical to us like i still have no idea how someone writes an adventure like like start to finish um fascinating
0: and and again um he has a podcast we highly recommend
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it'll be in the show notes as always
0: you know um i've listened to a couple episodes when time is permitted and i enjoy Mm -hmm. it um yeah. michael has a very very compelling uh presence you know in terms of listening
1: has a huge so, following uh really yeah. high production value it, it, yeah i mean I, absolutely you you, uh, you should definitely listen to it like an apple podcast the whole, deal.
0: The whole yeah. deal yeah yeah add it to your add that one you know to your podcast list we've we've recommended yes. a couple we don't recommend every one of them but right. or everyone out there but but you but, know. but
1: we will for a kickback. No, we're, we're, yeah, we will.
0: And yeah. And obviously a kickback includes recommending ours yeah. so. or at least coming on for an interview. Cause it's yeah, a great deal of fun. Yeah.
1: So yeah. Michael, thank you uh, again. Uh, we look forward to hopefully talking to you in the future as we walk over then to the GM corner, what, sir, have you been up to a relevance this week?
0: Oh, um, for me, um, I have been focusing on um, two things. One, um, Mutant Chronicles, because yep. I just—it's been an interest to me, and I've been looking at. There's a lot of resource material for this. Yeah, and I got the um, kind of the adventures. I don't remember what they called it, but it was a, in effect the set, almost hundred percent of all the material for for Mutant Chronicles that Modiphius had for sale during the holiday. Right, right right so i have a pile i have a pile before but if i just focus <laughs> yes, if true. i just if i just focus on mutant chronicles i have a pile so i've been slowly going through it um the other thing is um i'm gonna just, i'm gonna break the fourth wall uh jace when are we dropping this episode uh you are all listening to
1: this on or after the 21st of march okay
0: so um obviously by now um you will have or should have heard that um green ronin mm-hmm. is coming out with their own uh cthulhu mythos yeah, game very cool. mythos game um it got funded on kickstarter in 40 minutes ah, geez. um uh, i've had some we've talked with um troy at, at green ronin troy thank you so much
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um
1: Hoping to have Malcolm back.
0: Yeah, Malcolm, mm-hmm. you know, I I had, I, I listened to Malcolm talk about the game. And it was a really unique mix of the technical. Yeah. And the historic background as to why they built it the way they did. Now remember, Cthulhu is owned by Chaosium. Right. Uh, the, the main game. But a lot of the mythos is um, open source. So they took everything that was open source and built a game around it that I think is actually more compelling than any, almost anything I've seen for that genre in that, in that ecosystem, in that realm. So, you know, they talk about being able to play from way back up through the twenties, thirties, up to the present day. I mean, there was a running joke talking with a couple of them that they'd love to see an adventure take place in the eighties. Um, you know, who wouldn't, yeah, or in the 70s, it, during it would the disco be like era. you're
1: going back to the future,
0: yeah, or a See 90s
1: rave. They said a 90s rave, <laughs> that's so strange, <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, totally our scene back in the 90s.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, because we were both ravers. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, right. thank you, yeah, you're well welcome. done, thank you, well done. been you working become, on that. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're a beatboxer now, there you go. Um, so yeah, so that has been, um, the most important yeah so i the most Very cool. that's held my the, the green ronin stuff yeah. no you've been um, talking about it big time yeah mm-hmm. and they've been and they've been so courteous and gracious in talking to us about it too yeah um phenomenal group of people i got to meet some of the yeah, really, even beyond yeah. malcolm online yeah so. you did yeah yeah
1: uh you know for myself kind of following from last week uh I find myself spending a fair amount of time thinking about these mission briefs. We're slowly writing for star Trek. Um, And okay. And okay. Peeling back the fourth wall. uh, As you did. So I have on my desk. uh, I print out actually from D and D beyond because they had it so organized of all of the standard classes from Dungeons and Dragons. And you haven't seen this. I'm gonna hold this up for you. Our, our this listeners. is this is
0: new to me. I didn't this know. is
1: new to you. This this is yeah. just uh, this was just yesterday. I have I'm holding this in front of the camera, everybody. I've circled some and listed others from other another game. Um, these are all the classes that I am thinking how we might import into. Uh, a star trek
0: i'm not playing load. a pa- i'm not playing a paladin on a starship
1: you're not playing a paladin anywhere <laughs> uh right um uh though now that you say that out loud i didn't think that would work but but commander data was as close as you could get um but Yeah. Anyways, but no one called uh, him a paladin no well no because you know he was an android in the future and there wasn't magic.
0: Well so, that's what I'm saying is this so why are you since we're breaking the fourth wall yeah. you're looking at all these classes
1: okay here I, let me let me give you an example okay okay of the ones I've circled and then I'll qualify and then we'll call it for the for the day. Okay. Uh okay so I barbarian bard cleric fighter ranger and rogue now some of those lend themselves very easily to a sci-fi setting. For example, uh, first season of Star Trek, Picard had the Fenris Rangers. It's there in the name, right? So some of these are easier. Others like Bard and Cleric are a little more difficult, but but Star Trek has often dealt directly or, or indirectly with religion. Wouldn't it be interesting to play someone who was,
0: uh, you know, I, I don't Isn't know. Isn't Burnham's mom? I can't remember the, the, she was a, they were bo- both parents were scientists. Yeah, but the, but her mom now. Oh, became
1: Coat Milot
0: exactly. Yeah. Thank so you. So there's kind of a cleric, right? Type of, right, you know. a
1: cleric who's a fighter, right? Almost, yeah. almost a, a a druid. I just really. don't
0: want to be called a cleric fighter on a starship. That's my point.
1: Well, well no,
0: but okay. but like, okay, so
1: like like you know the notion of you playing a bard. What got me going on this, Brad,
0: the other day was I'm not going to play Will Riker with a trombone. That does not equal a bard.
1: I was actually thinking of you uh, as Will Whedon back in the early Ashley Judd episode days, but, but I digress. Um, uh, But my point
0: is. Hey, Will, (laughs) no matter what Jason just did to, to knock it, we still would love to have you on the show by
1: that. Okay. First of all, he doesn't listen. Second yeah. of all, that wasn't enough. You know how well, I maybe feel one about of our Wesley five Crusher. people
0: as like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes, where they can actually they have actually contacted. It
1: yes, there. Uh, look, I, I, like you know we all looked up to Picard and mm-hmm. Data. I did, but you wanted to be, you wanted to have Wesley Crusher's life. Anyways, we digress. Okay. I'll just say I've been thinking a lot these past couple of days about a bard in the future for you. It's going to be hilarious.
0: I think this, just the little debate we have right here, I think this is worth like an episode where they can actually hear this. What you just heard for the past like two minutes is actually normal banter between us when we when we joke and laugh. Um, it is. Yep. It is. So I think there's probably an episode worth us doing that even more as we are building this out. Um, and then you can hear in effect the alpha and beta runs of this. So we'll fit I that in between- right. the, yeah, we'll fit that in between our interviews because um, obviously, um, with Mythic Thunderloot and with Michael, um, you know, we've got we're, we're well on our way through our next five. You're gonna see some very yep. interesting ones coming. And then we'll have to have this discussion.
1: And 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 you know it's, um, I'll tell you when maybe I'm gonna say this on air, although we haven't talked about it. So uh, you all, are listening to our 42nd episode. It just so happens that the 45th episode, Brad's being mildly inappropriate, but more in, an, in a way that requires a good prescription on the screen. It just so happens that the 45th episode drops on the Monday of our one year anniversary for Dice and Mind. We have a really special interview scheduled for then much like a special episode of blossom, but, but different. Um, But you like
0: using that little, I've been waiting to do that for so long. Um,
1: But, but in all seriousness, episode 46. um, Might be a little more banter based. We have, we have things we want to talk about on 46 as we hit our stride. So with that, with that, As always, thanks for listening. If you know Will Whedon, please tell him
0: that we're 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 waiting. Mm. And uh, and we just have to talk about RPGs. Well, we don't have to talk about anything else. Just your love of gaming. We don't have to. You don't have to have the same conversation that you do a lot of other places. We actually
1: want to talk about Titan's Grave. Um, uh, that's been interesting both of us since way before the podcast oh man Uh, I mean we've listened to all of it and anyways we digress be well stay well Uh, as Garrison Keillor used to say keep in touch we will see you next week